0: Plus
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of in My Take, the number one podcast on thedreamshake.com, home of all things Houston Rockets on SBNation.com. It's Jeremy Brenner here, and today, Michael Brown, we come to the dramatic conclusion of our two-part schedule analysis for the Rockets during their second season in Orlando, Florida, coming next month
1: it's very exciting to be able to be doing shows with you, my man, actually talk- talking about games. And um, it's exciting. It's a really exciting time. And let's get into it.
2: Yeah. Over the past, you know, three months, at least this is episode 30 of Harden My Take. So we've spent almost thirty episodes talking about anything but actual basketball almost. And now that you know, even though we're only a month away, we are nipping at the bud, trying to talk about as much actual uh, basketball that will be taking place uh, as much as we can.
1: Yeah, for sure. And you do, <laughs> I gotta give all the credit in the world to Adam Silver. i We've talked about it before, but I'll continue to say it. it, it this is not easy what they're doing. You know, anybody no. thinks that they can just put this together. And let's be honest, I mean, it's still a month away. Anything can happen between now and then. But they've done everything that they can do to have the best plan in place. And that does not happen without a phenomenal commissioner, um, but also the players. You have to give the major stars in the sport a lot of credit, guys like LeBron, guys like Harden and Westbrook and Chris Paul. And they've all publicly come out and said, we're playing. You know, they they don't care where they do it. They just want to play. So, it's going to be fascinating. This whole thing, I can't stress that enough, how fascinating this is all going to be. And I can't wait to see what it looks like. And it's, it's just gonna be it's going to be weird, I think, but I cannot wait for it.
2: There's going to be a lot of newness to everything. We talked about it a little bit on our last episode where we discussed... Games one through four of the restart. So if you haven't checked that episode out, be sure to go and do that. Uh, you can catch it on Apple, uh, on wherever you listen to podcasts, or thedreamshake.com. Uh, so be sure to check that out before you listen to this episode uh, because it's kind of a continuation. So the last episode we talked about games against the Mavericks, Bucks, Blazers, and Lakers. And in today's episode, we will uh, break down the final four games between the Kings, Spurs, Pacers, and 76ers. So let's not waste any more time. Let's go right into game number five. This takes place August 9th against the Sacramento Kings. And the Rockets will be uh, running into a familiar face on the Sacramento Kings and Corey Brewer.
1: One of the nicest Guys, I've ever met in my entire life. I met him at a Dave and Buster's once. Talked basketball for like five minutes with him. Mm-hmm. One of the coolest dudes I've ever met.
2: And what? Um, did, what did y'all? What was the nature of y'all's basketball conversation? Did, we, were you talking Z's and O's? Were you talking just the team? Or
1: we were just talking about uh, the league as a whole. Um, he was with his kids, and you know, he just—he's one of those guys that just loves the game of basketball. He loves just being a part of the league. I think he's a really good ambassador for the league. He's a guy that has nothing but positive things to say. And he's – look, is he the greatest player in the world? No. But he is a guy that you want in your locker room. I think that's a fantastic pickup for the Kings. Um, but, yeah, we just talk, talked about the league, talked about his career a little bit and, you know, University of Florida Day, stuff like that.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, this is a very – interesting Kings roster because they come into this just um, just a few games uh, back of the coveted eighth spot that they uh, are looking to acquire. Uh, they're only three and a half games back of the eighth seed, which in turn puts them in contention for that playoff. Uh, that two-game playoff if they are within four games of the nine seed. The only problem is that it's a bit crowded where they are with Portland and Port- with Portland and New Orleans also three and a half games behind Memphis. So the Kings are going to have to uh, find a way uh, early on in Orlando if they want any chance at getting their first playoff bid in 14 years. This Kings team has, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the longest playoff drought in the league. So this is a big, uh, this is a big opportunity for them to potentially work their way into the playoffs through uh, a very uh, contrived backdoor.
1: I think their biggest problem is their coach. I am not. Yeah. I I don't think Luke Walton a is a good coach. Um, and I think, I think one one part of this whole bubble thing that no, not a lot of people are talking about is coaching, right? Everybody talks about the players, but the the cream of the crop, coaching wise, is you're gonna see, you know, guys like Rick Carlisle, guys like Terry Stotts, those types of guys are you're gonna see how important coaching is. I guess is mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. And I think Luke Walton, he. He just doesn't do it for me. I the Kings roster is interesting. You have guys like De'Aaron Fox who I like a lot. I don't really know how to feel about Buddy Hield. I think Buddy Hield is a good player, but I don't think he's a superstar. Do you?
2: I think that given where he is in his career, like he's probably the second best player on the on the Kings. Whereas on most teams in the league, he'd probably be. Uh, a third or fourth option.
1: Okay. So So we're on the same page.
2: Yeah, I I would, I would say that. um, But also I think a lot of people, if they're given a different opportunity, are going to shine. And I think he's just playing, uh, playing the cards that he's been dealt. Um, And he's been dealt uh, a chance to be a, you know, he was, he signed like a nearly a hundred million dollar extension with the Kings earlier in the year. So, I mean, he's he's making the most of his opportunity. He didn't decide to go to uh, he didn't decide to go to Sacramento. I mean, he was traded for their superstar, so that's part of the reason why he's uh, he's such a big contributor to that team because that's how they view him. They view him as comparable to Demarcus Cousins, which in turn, I mean, the the Kings look like they got the better end of that deal considering the fact that Boogie Cousins hasn't uh, didn't materialize much uh, in New Orleans, but. I mean, the thing with the Kings, though, for the Rockets, it's game number five. For the Kings, it's game number six. And in this, they have actually a very favorable schedule going into this Rockets game. The Rockets are probably the first team that will be a big challenge for them. Every team that they face before, before the Rockets are seated seventh or worse in their respective conference. So they get the Spurs, the Magic, the Mavericks, the Pelicans... And the Nets. So that's a, a pretty solid schedule for the Rockets. And then after they play the Rockets, they get another game against the Pelicans, which is very important. The fact that they get two games against the Pelicans is going to determine that those two games, whichever team wins those games will probably be seated higher. Uh, not necessarily going to make the playoffs, but they will probably be seated higher. And then they get the Lakers in the final game, in which the Lakers are probably going to be resting as many people as possible right before the playoffs. So the Kings, I think, are going to be riding some momentum going into this uh, going into this game.
1: Yeah, but we we owe them we owe them for the buzzer beater that they beat us. Uh, who was it? I think it was. It was Bogdanovich. Uh, Baj- no, Bajukka I thought hit it. Was it
0: Bogdanovich?
1: I, I think it was. Bial- I think like they hit
2: two of them or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think it was Bialitsa hit it against us at home, because I was at that game. Uh, so
2: we owe them yeah, for that. Yeah, it was. in the Nemanja Bielica.
1: Yeah, this is a game that the Rockets should win. Uh, there's really no – I mean, De'Aaron Fox is a good player, but, I mean, we have Russell Westbrook. I mean, there's not one spot that I look at with their roster that I say that they have the advantage over us. Uh, we have a better bench. We have a better starting five. We have a better coach. Um, there's no excuse for the Rockets not to win this game. Yeah. Let's put it that way.
2: I- this is an interesting game. So in this contest that happened in early December, the Kings won on a buzzer beater, 119-118. If I'm not mistaken, I believe this is the only – I can't remember if the Rockets had played them earlier in the season. I want to say it was just that game. Do, do you uh, recall any other um, meetings they had? I don't. Okay, they had they had a second one in Sacramento, which they won. Um, so they, so they, they split the season series. Won each of the uh, they won each of the road games, and the Kings won on a buzzer beater. But this game against this is a very interesting, funny game. So, in this game for the Kings, Trevor Ariza was still with the Kings at the time. He came off the bench with eight points. Uh, ben McLemore, former King, had 12 points off the bench, which made four threes, was a team-high plus 14 in this game. And Clint Capella had 13 and 17, while P.J. Tucker was actually the leading rebounder with 19 rebounds. And the Rockets still couldn't find a way to get— they out-rebounded the Kings 51-37, to 37. But the reason why the Kings have played well, I would say, is because they shoot the three-ball, probably their their philosophy is big on three-point shots. They have Bogdanovich. They have uh, Buddy Heald. They have Bielitsa who can shoot threes. Uh, those three guys are, are above-average three-point shooters. And that is probably a reason why they would be able to they would be able to keep up with the Rockets with that and they are very fast. I would you know we talked about you know how Russell Westbrook's one of the fastest guards in the league. One of the guys that I think could challenge that title um, is De'Aaron Fox. And De'Aaron Fox didn't even play in this game in early December. In late December though, um, they did I believe I believe he played I, I do recall uh, I do recall De'Aaron Fox playing. He had 31 uh, in the late December meeting with between these two teams. So I think that having De'Aaron Fox go against Russell Westbrook, that is good in terms of speed. And in this game, De'Aaron Fox at 31, Russell Westbrook at 28. So in that regard, they were pretty even and kind of eclipse each other. But the thing is, with James Harden – I don't think Buddy Heald, the comparable guy uh, for the King, can keep up with James Harden.
1: No, I mean neither can Harrison Barnes. They, they, have, they have an, It's an interesting team. It's an interesting roster. Uh, I really like uh, what's his name, uh, Rashawn Holmes, who's one of their
2: Rashawn Holmes.
1: You know, I think Rashawn Holmes is is an interesting guy. Uh, reminds me a lot of Chuck Hayes. Uh, a little bit more offensive game, but he's got, like, that similar body type to a Chuck Hayes. Uh, when I saw him play, I like him. Uh, but, once again, these eight games for the Rockets are going to be important seating-wise. You look at the eight. This is one that I circle, and I say, you cannot lose this game. Um, it's There's no reason for it. Uh, yeah, flat out. Rockets, I think they win this game by at least – seven points i think they're at least yeah. better than
2: sacramento because the thing with sacramento like obvious like in this game the rockets will be favored to win this game uh in vegas uh if you're a gambling man or a woman um but i think <sighs> that it, it, a lot of it will come down to where the teams are in their respective uh situations so for instance the kings if they come into this game with a still a decent chance at the at the eight or nine seed, I think they they can put on a show here and give the Rockets some trouble. However, the Rockets will be the best team that the Kings will have faced to this point, point. and that might be a challenge for them uh, playing a team of different caliber. And the Rockets the Rockets are playing for seeding um, at this point because nothing will be solidified. After the fourth game for the Rockets. They are still. Especially after games against the Lakers. Uh, and the Bucks. the That first half is brutal. The second half is a little bit less. Intimidating. Starting with this Kings game. But the Kings have a lot more to play for here. Than the Rockets. At least likely what will happen. Uh, is the, that the Kings will still be playing. For their playoff lives. Whereas the Rockets are looking simply to just. Uh, level up uh, their playoff opportunities. So, for me, I think that it, it will come down to where the situation is, and it, and if we get to a game here where both teams are playing for something, I'd have to give the advantage to the Rockets. Oh, for sure, because uh, they I... have a better roster, and I think that uh, the Rockets are. I, I look. The Kings are not better than the Rockets, and ultimately what would happen is if the Rockets were to lose a game like this, it'd be because they simply either weren't shooting well or simply because the Kings shot really well. I think that, that those are the only two things. Like, I think if the Rockets and the Kings shoot the same, the Rockets will win. But if the Rockets are ice cold, the Kings will, like, here's what the Kings need to do. The Kings need to have their best game, and they need the Rockets to have a bad game. 'Cause if the yep. Kings have their best game, it might not be enough if the Rockets have an okay game. The
1: only thing that scares me about the way that the Rockets roster is built is that what you just touched on, if they don't shoot well, they're not going to win. And I know that people will be like, well, duh, no, but the Rockets take it to the nth degree. You know, it's like if their whole game is the three is the three ball. I mean that yeah. that is their their whole offense there is no mid-range game i mean there's a little bit of a mid-range game with with westbrook now but the thing about why the warriors were so great is because they could beat you with so many different weapons right they would have duran who is kevin duran you know they could shoot well they could play great defensively the rockets are are good defensively but they're not great defensively it, it's based on the three ball if the three ball goes they're probably going to win i mean the but it, it's scary. It's scary against a team like the Kings, too, because the Kings shoot well from three, and you don't. You're not going to win. But right. once again, there's no reason to not win this game.
2: This mm-hmm. You have to win this game. I think that a game like this um, where, like I said, the, the Rockets might be able to win this game if they have – the Rockets might be able to win this game if they play okay. Because it's the Kings, and the Kings are not a playoff-caliber team. At least, you know, right now. And they might prove something in the second season. We'll see. But the, the thing is, in a playoff series against a, a better team, it, it won't fly. They're going to no. need to find a way to ensure that they can win in multiple ways. And I think that we saw some scenarios during the season in which this was possible. So the game that I want to look at here is uh, it was a late December game against the Clippers. And you remember this game, Mike? The Rockets were down 15 at halftime, and they used a 36-18 to 18 third quarter to get back in the game and win. Russ had 40 points in L.A., and this was like, oh my goodness, the Rockets are here Uh, and they're not taking any prisoners. prisoners. The Clippers were fully healthy at the time, so there was no excuses for the Clippers. Uh, Kawhi and Paul George average uh, had 60 points combined almost. Uh, And, you know, but Westbrook and Harden nearly had 70. And a lot of that was Russell Westbrook. At this point, I think a lot of us were saying that this was Russell Westbrook's best game as a Rocket. And. And they were able to find a way to get this win despite being down double digits at halftime on the road, and but I remember strictly from this game, they when they realized the three ball wasn't working, they res, they they went to driving, and this is ultimately why you traded Clint Capella because Clint Capella kind of he can't play on the perimeter kind of. Uh, limits you when you move when you get into the paint but when you have westbrook it it finds a way you know you have that opportunity to change it up if that three ball isn't working now obviously the rockets game is you know still very reliant on that three um and they and so many other teams are so they will need to uh they will need to be on their a game when it comes to shooting that basketball but I think that in in years past they weren't uh, they they are better suited this year to not be as good of a three point team because they have Westbrook being able to drive and Harden being able to drive and and I think Harden's driving has taken a hit this season than in recent years maybe because Westbrook has given more opportunities and maybe Harden just isn't given as many opportunities because Russ is there but I think that. I, I think that the three ball, while important, um, and look, they're they're going to there are going to be some games where they need to shoot the three. But the it isn't about whether or not the three ball is working or not. To me, it's more about adjusting in the in the middle of the game when you realize the three ball is not working for you.
1: Well, look at this game. The numbers. I mean, they shot thirty eight percent from three. I mean 38%, that's that's a pretty good number. As I mean, they hit 14 threes. Yes, <laughs> it is. And then, but touching on what you what you just said with driving the to the hoop, I mean, they shot 29 free throws. And this is a game that, you know, Westbrook and Harden had 68 points combined, but Tucker had 10, Daniel House had 10, Clay Capella had 16, Austin Rivers had 10. So they that's what they're going to need in Orlando is Westbrook and Harden need to do their thing. But it's, it's equally as important that Tucker, Covington, Austin Rivers, Eric Gordon – Eric Gordon didn't play this game.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So you beat the Clippers without your third-best offensive player and they were fully healthy? Look, I, I, would, I would be fascinated at a, at a playoff series between us and the Clippers – because I think it would be a bloodbath. I mean, between I Everly I, and
2: Westbrook, do, do what? I do not want to see the Clippers. I think the Rockets can get two wins. I don't know if they can get four. Yeah,
1: but dude, I'm I'm telling you this that the Rockets in a seven game series can beat anybody. I I, I full I full on believe that that if they play the the way that. They can play. They can beat anybody. But it's a question of what would the Clippers do against the Rockets? You know, would they, you know, play Zubac, you know, 15 to 20 minutes? Or are they just going to play, you know, what would it be? Beverly. Marcus Morris. Yeah, Marcus Morris. But, I mean, their
0: best lineup Montrez is probably Harrell.
1: George, Leonard, Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell, and Morris. I mean, that that's a pretty good five. But the Rockets with Covington, Tucker, Gordon, Harden, and Westbrook, I will take that starting lineup against
2: anybody. I, I they the thing is with the Clippers defensively, they are probably the most superior team in the West. Yeah, they That's only have. i on what rock. I struggle with the most, but like let's say this. Look in the in the series last year with the um and with the Warriors, the Rockets in the 110 points was going to get you the win in 5 of those 6 games the only game in which it wasn't the case or well there's two games in which it wasn't the case there was the overtime game 3 in which the rockets won at home and then game 6 so let's assume 110 points is the num is the magic number let's say that is the number you need in order to get you a win how are those 110 points coming out of these rockets you're gonna need thirty from Westbrook, thirty from Harden, and ten from Covington, ten from uh, House, ten from Mclemore.
1: There's ninety and Eric Gordon.
2: Eric and Gordon, ten from Eric Gordon, and then the other ten—a combination of that or ten from PJ Tucker.
1: Listen, the money that you're paying Eric Gordon, you better be—he better be scoring more than ten points. Um. I mean, he's a guy that you need to get consistently fourteen to twenty on a given night. He's your he's your third most important offensive player, but you yeah. still have Boston Rivers. Um, and I, I think you can score one hundred and ten points. There's no doubt about that. Look at last year's playoffs, though. You I, there's one. Uh, glaring reason why they lost in last year's playoffs is because Clint Capella was unplayable against the Warriors. He was terrible last year against the Warriors. I mean, he averaged eight points and ten rebounds. I mean, the ten rebounds is nice, but he got torched defensively. Mm -hmm. I would have loved to have seen this Rockets team up against that Warriors team. Mm -hmm. Because I I think Covington makes this team so much more unpredictable. You know what I mean? We touched on it last show that Covington's only played 14 games with this, with this team. You know, I think Damari Carroll is going to be important to this team. So, fascinating. Fa- I, the Clippers, Clippers, to me, are the best team in the West. Yeah. But the Rockets and the Lakers are right there mm-hmm. for me. I put everybody else. I don't believe in Denver. I don't know if you're a Denver guy, but I'm not I'm not a Utah guy. I think the rift between Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert is real. And
2: I wouldn't be shocked to see Rudy Gobert moved before next season. Utah Utah doesn't have the depth for me. Denver does, but Denver also doesn't have Denver isn't proven yet. And look, right. it could be um it could be this year that they they prove themselves. But to me, I think that a safer bet is the Lakers, the Clippers, and then after that, the Rockets. I think those are the three most proven teams in the West um, because the Lakers have LeBron, yeah. the Clippers have Kawhi, and the Rockets have the best backcourt and guys that have been MVPs. So to me, those are the top three teams in the West, and it's up to the Rockets to find a way to crack that code of the LA teams. Now... It's a, there. There's a long way to go, um, and I want to try to bring this back on track here because we're we're talking about the second half of the eight games in which the Rockets got to play before the playoffs even start. So let's let's trek on a little bit here. Um, we can talk more about playoffs as it comes along. But they play the Spurs in game number six, and this is where I believe, if I'm not mistaken, every team has a back-to-back somewhere because what I've seen is every. Every team has to play, like, the Kings have game number six, while the Rockets have game number five. Now, the Rockets are playing this game, and it's game number six, and then they'll play game seven the following day against the Pacers. Um, This is the weird Tuesday-Wednesday matinee, um, which you probably will never see ever again, so let's appreciate it for what it's worth, the Tuesday-Wednesday basketball Houston Rockets matinee in August. But... The Spurs here. So out of the six teams that are coming in and they're like, you know, outside of the playoff race right now, the Spurs are probably the one team that I think doesn't really care about um, about playing through this season. I think that they're just doing it because the NBA is inviting them uh, rather than getting a chance to be in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, San Antonio. No, no, LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, For San Antonio. Uh, They're they're not. Any team coached by Pop. Scares me.
2: I'm going to come out with a bold prediction here. Mike. Yeah. I think this is going to be Greg Popovich's last uh, season. As the Spurs head coach. Wouldn't shock me. I, I think it will. Because the team right now. Is not going anywhere. Um, anytime soon. The team is, you know, I think Greg Popovich has been one of the more outspoken people in terms of, uh, you know, basketball's just a game. There's so much more to the world than just basketball. And he, and and, and especially now, I think we're gonna get some great sound bites out of uh, Popovich when we're in Orlando. Uh, and he's gonna, you know, he, he won't talk a whole lot about the game. Because to him, I think the game is secondary, and I think that he is trying to distill that in his players, especially considering the fact that they don't have much of an op. They, I mean, they look—they have a shot. They—they they do, uh, and I don't want to discredit that. Uh, but let's let's be real with ourselves here. The Spurs uh, not only are they uh, not only do they sit four games behind uh, the eight seed, they have three teams. Uh, ahead of them before they even get to the eighth seed. So the Spurs are entering this uh, fifth. They're in fifth place out of the uh, teams that are fighting for that eighth spot. So and, they're, Yeah, go ahead, Mike.
1: No, I was going to ask you real quick. Would you trade Eric Gordon for DeMar DeRozan? No. Okay.
2: That's not That's not enough money for me.
1: Not enough money?
2: Do I mean? don't know. I, I don't think DeMar DeRozan is worth that kind of money.
1: Fair enough. So this is the thing, because the next team we're going to talk about, there's a guy, and I'm going to ask you if you would trade Eric Gordon for him. Oh, well, right. I was just curious. I yeah,
2: don't love. I to me, like DeMar Derozan's making like $27 million next year. And I, while he is better than Eric Gordon, DeMar DeRozan would be a third option on this team. And I don't want to pay a third option $27 million a year. it's me. Especially when he's on the wrong side of thirty.
1: I ask you this because I'm not sure how to feel about DeMar DeRozan's game. I I always thought he was a good player. He's he's a he's a really good player, but I don't think he's great.
2: Yeah. So, so fair enough. The Spurs, yeah. The Spurs are gonna have some chances though. They they start out Orlando against the Kings and Grizzlies. So they're gonna get a chance to meet their maker really quickly. Um, and if they lose those games, that could be it for the Spurs. It could be over. They could be six back if they lose these first two games and with six to go, and they could be done. So at this point, the Spurs are gonna use this game as a chance to play their young developing pieces. I'm talking about guys like Derek White, maybe maybe get DeJounte Murray some run because he hasn't had a whole lot of run. Um Injuring his, you know, this will be a good opportunity for Dejounte Murray to kind of be that guy. Um, I wouldn't surprise me if Demar Derozan's that, uh, just because he's trying to get another contract. Uh, it, like they're gonna play guys like uh, Trey Lyles, Lonnie Walker might get some run if he goes to, you know, like like those kind of guys. Uh, you know, Keldon Johnson, who I believe was their first round pick this year uh Metz, met like those guys um so to me like the rockets should the rockets should win this game this is probably the easiest game on the schedule for the rockets um it's against a team that doesn't have much of a chance in Orlando the timing of the game look, the rockets should win this game um and maybe they'll choose to sit some of these guys uh because they have the back to back against the pacers a team that is uh has a better chance to win against the Rockets, so let, there's not much else to talk about with San Antonio. It is what it is. Uh, they're not going to have much of you know, it's a bunch of gonna. it's probably going to be a lot of younger guys and the Rockets should get that win. Although keep in mind, the Rockets did this against the Spurs early in the year and it didn't work out for them, but I think the circumstances are a little bit different now considering the season is pretty much over for the Spurs uh, whereas the Rockets are trying to improve their seating as much as they can. The Rockets should win this game. I don't think the Uh, This is probably the most confident I am about any of the Rockets games in Orlando. So let's move on to the I'll ask you, Mike, because you alluded it to earlier. What is this potential trade that you're talking to me about? Would you trade Eric Gordon for Miles Turner? Would I trade Eric Gordon for Miles Turner? I would not.
1: I would do that deal in five seconds.
2: You would. Explain why. Explain why. Basically the same
1: contract. Look, I'm a believer in small ball. I really am. But is it sustainable? I don't know. I, it, it, there's a reason. I mean, when was the last time? Even, even when Detroit won their title, they still had bigs, right? I can't mm-hmm. think of a team that has won a championship without a center. Now, the Rockets have a center, I guess. If you want to call Robert Covington or PJ Tucker a center, but they're not. I mean, they have a center on the roster in Tyson Chandler. But to me, if the Rockets don't win the championship this year, um, they're going to look at ways to improve the roster. And for me, if if the Pacers were willing to do that deal, I would do it. I think Miles Turner is an is a good uh what am i trying to say it, it's a good s- compromise between you're small but you're not really small you know what i mean and he's 11 yeah he's six, uh, yeah but okay but he's not your would you consider him a traditional center i consider him more of a traditional power forward i don't consider him a center he's not a he's if not he a nickel in the
2: league 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, he'd be a power forward. Right. That's the center in this NBA. And in the Rockets, he'd be almost a super center because he'd be, you know, towering over everybody. (laughs) But, But, I mean, like, to me, with Miles Turner, like, I don't see why – I don't see why Indiana does that deal. Um, I I just don't see, like – because they have the guards. They have – They have plenty of guards. And I know Miles Turner has kind of been, you know, an interesting, like a weird fit in that lineup. But I think that I don't see them. I don't see the benefits for Indiana to get a guy like Eric Gordon. I think that what you're trying to think of it, because the thing is Malcolm Brogdon came in the offseason and Malcolm Brogdon has had injuries. But Malcolm Brogdon averages 16 a game. Jeremy Lamb's also there. Jeremy Lamb had a good season, averaging 12 a game. They're really and Justin Holiday is there. Uh, He's kind of a he's more of a three, but Eric Gordon's also kind of a three for the Rockets. And you know, there's no room for him on that team. And to me, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I think like Miles Turner will. I could see Miles Turner getting traded because Sabonis has kind of eclipsed his uh, his value on that team. Because he's a really he, like Sabonis would be a is their power forward, but he'd be probably a better center, um, just because of where the NBA is right now. They play virtually the same; they're basically they're basically the same size. So that's why I think Sabonis has been, you know, better because he's had more opportunities and he's just overall the better player. But right now, I think with Indiana, it, it's going to come down. Like, like to me, they're in such a weird spot because they're a good team. They are, but they need like one more. They need one more piece to to make this. So I think that Miles Turner is going to provide uh, the bait for that potential new player if they decide to go in that direction. They 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 have the talent for like they have a talent. They have talent to be a really good team. Uh, with with Victor Oladipo fully healthy, with Sabonis fully healthy, that team could be really really good. Um, and their team, like if I were in the if I were in the East, that team scares me, because I really don't know what I'm getting with Indiana. Um, and to me, I think that the Rockets are going. This is like the final test for the Rockets before they go into the playoffs, because the final game. Uh, the final game is against the Sixers, but um, I think the Pacers. Like I think at that at that point, the Rockets might know their seeding, and they they'll just say you know what we'll, we'll accept it what it is and let's just get ready for the playoffs. Yeah, um, I think that this is like going to be the the tr- the. It's going to be a good test because it's a team that plays. they they're just I find them very fascinating, and I and I think that it's a shame that they don't get it as much attention as they do because they are a small market team. Um, and they're just a good team. and not a great team. But I think that if they were in a bigger city, they might be considered a great team. Right well, they now,
1: they're yeah. they right they six, like, six in the
2: West or six yeah. in the East.
1: They are fifth in the East.
2: Fifth in the East. All right. So basically what the Rockets are.
1: Yeah. They, and they have Victor Oladipo, who I like a lot. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, it just now that you bring it up, yeah, Gordon probably not the perfect fit, but given different circumstances, he's actually what they need. Like they have guy, you know, they have Doug McDermott. You have Jeremy Lamb's having a good year, but you really don't have. Okay, so like, you know, I mean, you're down two. Who's taking the last shot for them? It's Victor Oladipo. Is coming off of injury though. This this is a, an interesting test for the Rockets. I mean, if you beat them, does it really say much? No, not really. Um, but this this is the last test. You're right. So, I, oh man, I don't know if they're gonna win this game. If I gun to my head, I probably say that they lose this game just because they'd won two in a row. They're probably gonna slip up once. I'm gonna say ugh, I'm gonna say they lose this game, just because you're right. You never know what you get with Indiana, mm. so I think the size could be an issue with Turner and with Sabonis. Uh, I like Malcolm Brogdon a lot, um, and Oladipo. I think Oladipo is gonna play, right? Or is he still out? No, I think
2: he's-, Oladipo, he, he's the last I heard from him, and we're recording this on a Sunday, so by the time this is out, a couple days later. Uh, it might not, you know, it might be totally different. Um, but I think what we saw, the last I saw from Victor Oladipo was that he was considering, um, like he wasn't entirely sure what he wanted to do. There, there wasn't, I haven't seen anything that says he's not going to play. So I would assume that he is going to play because he was playing, uh, right before the season let out. So he's, he's available. I think that he's can. I think he's, uh, Address some concerns, which, you know, very, very fair, um, because there is a lot of concerns for everybody. Like, the last game Victor Oladipo played before the season went on shutdown, he had 27 points against Boston. It's a big – and that was his season high at the time. And he had only been playing, uh, you know, 20 or so minutes – like, he played 28 minutes, which is, I think, his his peak, which is his peak for the season so far. Um like here's here's Indiana. This is this is kind of hilarious, but so in a, there's a two-game stretch here in uh in Mar- in February for the for the Pacers. In game one of this two game stretch, they play Toronto and they lose by forty six points. That, like this is the actual thing. The final score of this game was 127 to 81. Toronto came out on top and I think this is, this is a point where Toronto was uh, super hot um, and they had won like you know something ridiculous like 10 in a row or you know they yeah they were coming off of this major win streak where they had won like uh, 17 of 18. So that was part that was part of that. But then the next game for Indiana, they come back. And they beat Charlotte. Granted, Charlotte's not a very good team, but they beat Charlotte by thirty nine, one nineteen yeah. eighty. So, like, yeah. that's the thing is with Charlotte's with Indiana, terrible. you don't really know what you are going to get.
1: Yeah, Charlotte's terrible. I mean, Charlotte's god awful. Charlotte uh, is
2: not as good as Houston is. Yes, you are correct, and not as good as Toronto is.
1: Yeah, I uh, yeah, it's they're interesting. Like they're. They're just – they're a fascinating team because uh, – do I think that they could beat Milwaukee in a seven-game series? No. I think they could give Toronto or Boston a really, really good series, though, or Miami.
2: I think they could even maybe even give, give them seven. Um, so that, that's the thing with Indiana. They are, they are competitive. Like, for instance, um, I think it was LeBron's last year in Cleveland – They pushed Cleveland to seven, and Cleveland went on to go play in the NBA Finals. So, like, that has been Indiana's legacy. They're going to compete. Nate McMillan is one of the better coaches in the NBA, uh, and he's probably one of the more underrated coaches in the NBA. And I think if if the right Indiana shows up, the Rockets are in trouble because I think the best version of Indiana can be – Every team in the NBA. I don't, but also, my thing is, I don't think that version of Indiana shows up as often as any of the other contenders do, which is unfortunate. Um, So, like, to me, I think this is a tough game to look at. It's going, a lot of it's going to depend on uh, where each team is in the standings, but I think that the Rockets should really try. To rest that San Antonio game so that they can give their all in this game because I think this game is a lot more important to them. Um, in fact, that might be the reason why they lose this game because they have to play San Antonio on the first night uh, on the first day of this back to back. So there, that's that. Yeah, that it's such a tough game to to discuss because I think that. Indiana is very unpredictable, and so are the Rockets. Uh, so two unpredictable teams really don't know what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, I, I think – not to turn this into Caser's basketball talk, but their are issues is Milwaukee. They have nobody to – they have nobody – they won't beat Milwaukee. If they get matched up with them, they'll lose in five. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, the back-to-back, you don't know what night Westbrook's going to play. Uh, I would prefer, to be honest with you, I would rather beat, the, you know, guarantee the win, beat the Spurs, and then see what happens against the Pacers. Yeah, um, yeah I-, I think they're going to lose this game, would be my prediction. So I'm going on record with that.
2: All right. And we'll move to the final game here. Uh, same record uh, as the Pacers, the Philadelphia 76ers. This is another very interesting game because it is the final game of this eight-game stretch the second season, Um, and we don't know where the teams are going to be seated, and I think that will have—I don't think the Rockets would um, rest uh, as much as Philly will because Philly has been notorious for that. To me, I don't think we're going to get a full-fledged Philly squad because— at this point, Philly will either know what they are, they'll know what seed they are, or they'll have one game determine uh, whether they're fifth or sixth. And at that point, like, when you're not playing for home court advantage or you're not playing, like, or they might be, like, fourth or fifth. And, like, the thing is, if you're four or five, like, that, that really doesn't matter because you're, pl- you're stuck into playing the same team. So Philly could end up in that predicament. Um, and I don't, but also I don't, I think Philly's a team that's very much like the Rockets, uh, a team that hasn't performed to its hundred percent this season, a team that is branded as a title contender, but, um, has not lived up to that potential, uh, and a team that is probably better than what the record suggests.
1: Philadelphia, Philadelphia. The – look, I, I – part of their problem is their coach, Brett Brown. Is that it? Yeah, Brett Brown. Brett
2: Brown also – another similarity to the Rockets. Brett Brown is fighting for his coaching life here, uh, uh, at least with the Sixers. Um, I, I don't doubt that he can get another job after the Sixers, but uh, if he wants to keep coaching the Sixers, Brett Brown's going to have to have a good performance in Orlando.
1: Yeah, yeah, he needs to reach at least the Eastern Conference Finals, I think. Um, yeah. Why are they not better?
2: Like there's so better much because they-, they have no like their identity is is all over the place.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I I really like look, like, I think getting beat I I think their biggest problem is I am not a Ben Simmons guy. I do not think Ben Simmons is a difference maker. I think he's a, a good player, but, I mean, no jump shot. Their problem is, is that they don't go all in on Embiid. Because I think Embiid is a monster. I mean, you watch Embiid on a night in, night out basis, that dude just gets buckets. Um, I'm an Embiid guy. I don't know about you. I love his game. But then you go and add a guy like Al Horford.
2: Like, what does Al Horford do? Al Horford was a very questionable signing for them.
1: Yeah. And then Tobias Harris. I like Tobias Harris a lot. Not anywhere near the money they're paying him. Um, And then you have a guy like Josh Richardson, who they got in the Jimmy Butler deal, that like Josh Richardson, but yeah, identity is an issue for them. But I'll tell you this right now. They will give Milwaukee, if they match up with Milwaukee, one heck of a series. Mm -hmm. Because they have the horses to do it. You know what I mean? You know, they have...
2: Very similar to the Rockets in terms of they're trying to match up to the best team in the conference. Yeah. And even if it sacrifices being a better team overall. Uh, Because I think, yeah... Philly, the one team that I think that would give Milwaukee the most trouble uh, that matches up to them the best is Philly because of their size. And oh, no. and that's why I, I don't think that this Philly game really matters um, to the Rockets because like Philly's, Philly has their eyes on the big picture more so than any other team, I would say, because, you know, they, they have thought about this for years and you know they they aren't afraid to sit people out um and they they've done that um so like for me if we, if we get a full Philly squad i would be concerned for the rockets because just simply they're bigger and that might be a test that might be a struggle for the rockets because the rocket it would be, be a total game of uh tempos and how ha- and styles it'd be a total clash of those styles i believe uh, I remember there being a game between the two teams. I believe it was in early January, um, where the Rockets were at home, um, and Clint Capella had a really good game. Um, that's that's what I remember from this game. Uh, Clint Capella had 30 points and 14 rebounds, uh, and Harden had 44 and 11 and 11, a triple double. Um, so in that game, the thing is Clint Capella was able to match up and outplay Joel Embiid. And that was what got the Rockets to win. But they won't have Clint Capella or anyone that could uh, materialize to Joel Embiid. But this is a situation in which you could see, like, Tyson Chandler get a couple minutes. Um, You you could see Damari Carroll uh, playing a little bit more. Jeff Green getting a lot of minutes. Um, Those, like, if you run into a guy like that in the playoffs, uh, like... For instance, I would say this: Joel Embiid is the compare like to compare it for the Western Conference. I would say like Joel Embiid is not as good of a passer as Nikola Jokic, but other than that, they are pretty similar. Where they can play on the perimeter, um, they can they can help facilitate the offense, uh, and that. That would probably be their, like, simulation, if you will. But the thing is, Philly is so unlike a lot of the teams in the West. Rockets, honestly, playing this game, it, it, it might not even do them any favors. The only—I mean, it, it might if it affects their seeding. But also, at the end of the day, I don't think the Rockets really care about their seating as much as they care about um, just winning. And— you know, winning it all. And I think that they, they do see the big picture, and so do the Sixers. So, to me, I'd be shocked if Ben Simmons played this game. I'd be shocked if Joel Embiid played this game. I think that we're going to see the Sixers bench, and the Sixers bench can't shoot while the Rockets can
1: Yeah, this, this could be the Chris Clements coming out party.
2: This could be Chris Clements for 50 points
1: right here. Yeah, this could be a 50-piece by Chris Clements. Um... Philly, trying to think of the best way to. The Rockets probably win this game. They may need it. I mean, we just don't. You just don't know. You know if, if they need to win this game for seeding. Um, you know if it means being the the four seed compared to the five seed because the four seed would mean the Lakers instead of the Clippers in the second round. Maybe they're thinking something like that. Uh, or like the
2: five versus the six seed, or something like that.
1: Correct. So, but you're not playing for home court. You're playing for your opponent. Uh, so we'll see where the we'll see where the the chips fall. And mm-hmm. I, I, yeah, I, I like I like Joel Embiid. I've always liked Joel Embiid, and it gets me thinking about Clint Capella and. How much this team is different? I mean, twelve months ago, if I told you that we were not going to have a center on the roster, what would you tell me?
2: You know? Yeah. I look. The fact that they don't have Clint Capella is unfortunate for this for this opponent, but also. I mean, the Sixers are very unlike a lot of the teams the Rockets will face. So, I and look, I think that the Rockets, I think the Sixers are even beatable without Clint Um It's just going to be a lot more difficult. Um, I think the Rockets did what was best for them. And that's the thing is, in a game like this, where the styles are so completely different, the Rockets are going to have to double down on what they believe in because the Sixers will do the same. And if... If that's the factor in who wins this uh, who wins this game, you know, I probably would lean more towards Houston. Because look, if Houston can shoot threes, Philly is not a good three-point shooting team. Despite, you know, them acquiring pieces of the deadline to help them with that, like Glenn Robinson uh, and Alec Burks, they they still are not a very good three-point shooting team. And if the that's how you beat a team like this, is you Attack their weakness, and yeah. that's Philly's weakness. And even though the Rockets play very small, you it hasn't really been exposed as a weakness, their, their rebounding game. Because yeah. the and maybe the post up game, that, but and that's how Philly's gonna have to win this game. Philly's gonna have to have Ben Simmons, uh, just post up, dry, uh, drive and post up on whoever's guarding him. Um, but then how do you beat that? Rockets, you know, you give Simmons a quick double, and you hope he coughs up the ball. And he will do that a couple of times, because Ben Simmons uh, doesn't take care of the ball um, there, uh, as well as he probably should be as a point guard. So the, the thing is, the Phillies, Philly is beatable, um, but they they do pose a, a threat to the Rockets and to teams like the Rockets that play very small. So, yeah, that, that
1: the size that they have would be an issue. And yeah. they're, they're big. I mean, that that is a big starting five of H- Simmons, Harris, Horford, Embiid, and Richardson. I mean, the, those are some big dudes. Um, but, yeah, the, the I would – look, to be honest with you, I wouldn't be shocked if Philly wins these. It would not shock me at all because
2: – It would shock me. I, yeah. I won't even lie. It would shock me. Yeah, but look look
1: talent-wise, right? Look at the Eastern Conference. The only team that they're not definitively better than is, is uh 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 Milwaukee. Milwaukee. I mean, straight up, you couldn't make an argument that they're you know not better than than Indiana. I think they're better than Indiana. They're they are not- better
2: they're better than Indiana. I, I would say the roster is more talented than Miami's. Uh, I would say that the roster, I think they would actually, um, honestly, I think they would struggle against a team like Toronto uh, more than you would expect. Uh, I know, I, I I think they have a more talented roster than Toronto, but I think Toronto is just deeper. And that's ultimately why Toronto beat Philly last year. It's because they're depth. And Philly is the, when it comes to depth, Philly, is not there compared to the other teams. I think that if you look at the deepest teams in the East, it's Milwaukee, then Toronto, and then followed by Indiana. I think those are the three deep or I'll do this, a tie between Indiana and Miami. When it comes to the three best teams in terms of just top heavy, I would say probably I'd say Milwaukee is first. Cause they have Giannis and they have Chris Middleton. It's two all-stars, one yep. being an MVP, uh, then I'd say, uh, then I'd say probably Philly, just because they have four guys that are max contract guys. Then I'd say Boston. Uh, those are the three top heavy teams in the East. Boston doesn't have the depth, in my opinion. Uh, I I don't think their bench you know, outside of you know, I, I think past their seventh guy, they have they have uh, some issues. But with similar t- to Philly, uh, similar with, to Philly.
1: But with Toronto, they don't have. I mean, they're missing Kawhi. And
2: right, but they I have mean, the depth. That's why they are still able to be where they are this season. Uh, I believe so in sixty-four games, Toronto won forty-six of them. Last season, the through sixty-four game, I'm gonna pull this up real quick, but like Toronto is a team that you can't totally count out either. So through sixty-four games this season, Toronto forty-six. And 18 last season through 64 games they were 46 18 exactly the same record so that to me and that's without Kawhi the Raptors are deep and that is what could that that's what could lead them back to the finals honestly the the fact that you know Terrence Davis has been Uh, very under, like probably the most underrated rookie in the league. Uh, he's been really good. Uh, Fred Van Vliet has stepped up. Pascal Skiakum is now a top 10, 15 player in the league. That's something we didn't see happening a year ago. Uh, you know, Kyle Lowry has stepped up. The guys around them have picked up a load and it's why they are in the exact same position now than they were a year ago. And they're going to go into the East as the likely two seed. And they will have the chance to line up with the Bucs uh, in the conference finals yet again. And while I would give the advantage to the Bucks over the Raptors because they don't have Kawhi, I would still say, though, that the Raptors are not a team we can count out. Um,
1: but remember, remember one thing, that that Sixers team took the Raptors to seven games last year and – it took a, a last Jimmy second Butler. Do what? With Jimmy Butler. With Jimmy Butler. No, for sure. But it took a game-winning shot by Kawhi Leonard. I I think they would struggle with – no, don't get me wrong. I think Toronto is very, very good. And as a betting man, I would probably put – I'm taking Philly, dude. I'm 100% taking Philadelphia in a seven-game series this year because I think they have the horses to do it. And – no Jimmy Butler, no Kawhi Leonard. It went seven games last year. They've played two games this year. Each has won a game. I think Philadelphia, neutral court, I think will beat the Raptors in a seven-game series.
2: Philly holds a lot of cards in the East. They don't necessarily have the best cards, but they hold a lot of them. Yep. Uh, and I think how Philly plays will affect how the East goes. will have a big say in how the East goes. Because the thing is, Philly, chances are, are going to have to play a team – they have – there are five really good teams in the East, I would say. There are six. There are six really good teams in the East. And two of them are going to have to be eliminated before that first round. And Philly's a team that I think in the right aligning of the stars could upset one of these big teams. I, like, against Boston, I don't know if – I don't know if Boston can beat Philly in a seven-game series. I don't know if Miami can beat Philly in a seven-game series. They could knock out a team that has, uh, the, that has the chance to go all the way uh, in the first round. And that's what makes Philly a dangerous team, is that they have the talent on the roster to beat you. And in this unique setup where players haven't been playing for a while, that could be a good advantage for Philly because Philly doesn't have uh, gassed-up uh, legs. Here's the only thing that concerns me about Philly, though. Philly had 39 wins on the season. They were 29 and two in Philadelphia. Outside of Philadelphia, they were 10 and
1: 24.
2: Yeah, that's incredible. And they will not. They they won't play any more games in Philadelphia this season.
1: But they also won't play any more games in an away arena either. So it, yes, it's a neutral. It's neutral call. Trust me, I get what you're saying. I I just think they I, I I love Embiid. Um, Tobias Harris is a good ball player. So is Al Horford. Josh Richardson is is interesting. Ben Simmons. Eh. But I just think they would they would be a problem for any team. But right now, I mean, you got to think about it. If the playoffs started today, they'd have to play Boston in the first round, which would not be easy. And then they probably have to play Milwaukee. In the next round. Mm-hmm. I, don't know, I don't know if Milwaukee can get by Orlando. Uh, that would be a pretty tough series, but um, <laughs> can't even say that with a straight face. Mm-hmm. Uh, we shall see. We shall see.
2: It'll be interesting. All right. And I think this is a good place to park the rocket ship. But before we go, let, let's let uh, preview these last four games. Uh, let's give a win or a loss to each of these games. And we'll start with the Kings. Win or loss against the Kings. Win. I'm going to go with a win as well. Rocket Spurs. Win. I'm going to go with a win as well. Pacers. Loss. I will go with a loss on that one as well. Um, we have the same ideas, I guess, for the schedule. But the Sixers. Win. I'll go with a loss. So It's 50-piece in this game.
1: Uh, <laughs> The Rockets win by four.
2: All right. So let's assume, well, you know, we'll give them, we'll go with the more uh, sunny side of uh, life, and we'll give them the win here. So six and two for the Rockets, considering we went three and one in the first half. Uh, last podcast, they're so three and one. in the, So six and two. So that would give the Rockets 47 wins, right? 47 mm-hmm. wins. Did I, or did I just make that number up? Uh, I will 41 verify. before or is it 40 before? It's been so long. It's been 41. Okay, so it'd be, they'd be 46 and 26. So right now, 46 wins would give... Uh, would, if, if the Rockets had 46 wins right now, they'd be the number two seed, uh, which is crazy to think about. But you have to think about the Jazz. You have to think about the Thunder, the Nuggets. And how they're going to do? And six and two is a very good mark, um, but how much further in the standings would they rise? I doubt six and two, especially with wins against Dallas uh, and Portland, uh, or especially against, especially winning against Dallas for sure. I think we said they would lose to Portland in the last episode, but mm-hmm. they would, they would be ahead. They wouldn't be worse than six where they sit right now. So, if we look at the Thunder, we look at the Jazz, where do, you, like, where do you think six and two could land the Rockets?
1: You're probably the four seed, the three or yeah, the four I seed.
2: Thinking, I was thinking four as well. The dream so, matchup
1: in the first round for the Rockets is Utah. You, you do whatever you can do, at least in my eyes, to get the Jazz in the first round. That is the dream matchup for me. With no, um, who's the guy that they got from uh, Indiana that's out for the year? Uh,
2: Bogdanovich, yeah,
1: yeah, with no without him, you win that series. You probably very, win that
2: because we were talking about last year when the Rockets beat the Jazz, how the Jazz were like, you know what, we need a three point shooter, uh, next to Joe Ingles. They went and they got it. They were at a point in the season where they were number two in the West, I want to say, and they were looking like a team that you know could be up there for the rest of the season and now with Bogdanovich out Utah has lost their status as a title contender I would say so yeah I think Utah is the ideal matchup for the Rockets in that first round that's possible um and I think I'm, I'm like kind of glancing at the the schedules for Denver and Oklahoma City uh Utah has um a pretty standard schedule Um, And so does Oklahoma City. Uh, To me, I think that I think six and two could definitely get them the four seed. Um, It's very possible or the five seed, Um, in which case, if that's the case, they would match up likely with the Lakers in, in the second round if they were to advance. So I think that is the most ideal path for the Rockets to get out of the West is to face the Lakers. Uh, in the second round, and then the Clippers in a potential conference finals, because also I think that Denver has the tools that could line up with the Clippers, maybe that will be able to knock them out. Um, yeah. it, it's very was, difficult I was, I was to saying. say um, at this point, because especially because it's still, you know, um, you were 20 or four weeks away, um, and the playoffs are even further away. So, but it's fun to talk about basketball with you, Michael Brown. And it's thank you uh, to the listeners that are uh, listening to a ramble about this for over an hour now.
1: Absolutely, and we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it later. But I will tell you one matchup that the Clippers do not want in the first round is Dallas. I yeah. think Dallas is going to be dangerous this year. But that's for another
2: show another at another another episode. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much to those of you who have come to the end of this podcast. Uh, be sure to subscribe to wherever you listen to podcasts, but to not miss a single episode of Harden My Take, the number one podcast on thedreamshake.com, home of all things Houston Rockets on sbnation.com. Go check out our website to not miss a single moment of Rockets coverage in, uh, in preparation for the season resuming at the end of the month, July 30th and July 31st for the Rockets' Versus the Mavericks. Uh, That is this month, guys. We are going to have NBA basketball this month. So uh, be sure to not miss a single thing by catching out all of our content at thedreamshake.com. And be sure to follow us on Twitter and give us a like on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at Dreamshake SBN. And if you want to continue the conversation, feel free to reach out to uh, Mr. Mike Brown and me on Twitter. And you can follow my co-pilot, Michael Brown at
1: UH, Big Red Hat Guy. And please help me get Slim Jim and the Pocket Rockets trending worldwide as you are listening to this show.
2: Absolutely. And you can follow uh my you can follow me on Twitter at Jeremy Brenner. J e r e m y b r e n e r. Thank you so much for tuning in this episode of Harden My Take. And
0: until next time, go Rockets!